I want to talk to you really quickly about a very special opportunity. Why is it special? It only happens once next year. It's Pipeline West, and it happens February 22nd. We have Carrie Newoff, Tom Rayner, Albert Tate, Eric Geiger, myself and my counterpart, Daniel M. We'll all be there. We'll all be talking about Pipeline. And then the following day, February 23rd, we'll have a full coaching day to make sure that you are able to take what you have heard at Pipeline and immediately apply it to your church. So come out, call a buddy, bring a friend, bring your staff, but come out to Pipeline West, February 22nd in the OC. See you there. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm Eric Geiger. I am co-hosting with Daniel M. And we're excited today. You are gonna are gonna be blessed and really encouraged. We have Keith Getty on today. Good afternoon, chaps. Mm, I like that accent. I, his accent is amazing. So it's <laughs> just brings our podcast to I mean, level. I'll, I'll, I got if Todd was here, he's not here today. He'd have goosebumps. He would have goosebumps. He would say, he'd say, I have say look, at, right look at my arm. Uh, Keith and his wife Kristen have authored, and you're, this will be in the show notes. You'll be able to see uh, some links to the book. We also have this book available for churches to purchase in bulk, which is a really important read called Sing. And Keith, I've heard you say this before, that you don't want people to say, hey, how's the music in your church? But how's the singing in your church? Right? Well, that's right. Yeah, we started, Chris and I started writing hymns in the year 2000. Um, in Christ Alone was actually the first one that was recorded. And it was with Stuart Townend. And that opened the door for us to write hymns for churches and then to travel around helping churches sing. And in 2013, we asked that very question. We kept going around in 13 seminars. We asked, what's the first question you ask in a Sunday when you're eating your roast beef or just roasting the pastor and just talking about <laughs> the backs and say, well, the music people, what do you think of the music in our church? Yeah. And not one person in 13 talks, their first comment was, how did the congregation sing? And so it was a really unusual thing because huh. you think, yeah. you think, you think in our generation there's so much talk about church worship and church music and authentic worship and all this kind of stuff. But actually, the truth is, most of our congregations aren't singing, and most people aren't taking singing. If you go past the first four rows in a church and the platform, mm. most people aren't really singing yeah. or understanding it. So we thought this year, in the year of the Reformation, while everyone else talks about ecclesiology and theology and politics and all the other things that made Martin Luther famous or infamous, we thought he was a he was a musical monk who restored congregational mm. singing. So we're going to celebrate the Reformation by asking people about how they're letting the Word of Christ dwell in them as they sing. I love That's that. That's really good. That's really good. And this podcast, we're going to be going into kind of the life of Keith Getty and, and what makes you a leader. And well, my, my wife always says, be, be yourself, not too much yourself. So I try, I try to follow instructions. <laughs> we're, we're, a little, we're a little awestruck with Keith Getty. I mean, yeah. I have... I love the song in Christ Alone, but oh, I love yeah. that song, but uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. I didn't write that. Oh, I just published it. Which one? He Will Hold Me Fast is Matt Merker. Oh, my bad. JDM. Oops. No, we, no, it's my favorite, though. It's, it's it. favorite. I, I was at, I, I led worship, and I, no, no, I'm sorry, I was with some you worship. You, no, I never led worship. That's <laughs> it would be like, rapping. I, it would be I, rapping no, worship. Be, I rapped worship. <laughs> no, I was somewhere where you led worship. I in local stores And you led the song, and that was... Yeah, I, that was really. I, good. I, I knew it was a great song because when I first heard it, my whole body, my mind, and my emotions were moved, and I also had this absolute tinge of jealousy that why didn't I write this hmm. myself? <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I called Matt and said, "You, you did this, be- you, you do this better than I do," and I said, "So forget of a partner." So we ended up creating this partnership where we would sing it and introduce it to people, and oh, it's wow. been really wonderful. But he's a he's an extraordinary talent, and. Uh, and we're, we're we're pretty proud to get to support that song. So. And yeah. one of the one of my favorite stories about in Christ alone is 
you were asked one time by a group who wanted to change some lyrics of the song, you know, uh, the, the, on the cross till uh, the wrath of God was satisfied. <laughs> Right. Okay, so first he gets the song wrong, then he gets the words wrong. <laughs> oh man, wrong. it's not it's not rap. No, on the cross is Jesus till the wrath That's of God right. was satisfied. Exactly. It's easier in your mind when you yeah, actually yeah. sing it. And and it was said no that we must hold on to the holiness of God and the wrath of God being satisfied. Am I messing up the story? No, no. It was it was it was a relatively boring story. Uh, there was a hymn book being made by by some press by the PCUSA, and uh, they were wanting to change the words of the song because they didn't like the con- they felt the wrath of God was what they called unhelpful for twenty first century mm-hmm. Christians, and and for twenty first century people actually was their phrase I think, and uh, so they. They, they wanted it to be removed, and we said no. And um, the, the problem was then they they um, they had, I think they maybe had pre-advertised it was going to be in the book, then it was. Oh, okay. And then then the, the begin this was it was like a blog war started online. Really. And then someone on their side accused accused us of of promoting uh, divine child abuse, and then and then the media, so USA Today, Washington Post, jumped <gasps> onto it. So it was actually it actually made it actually made the Economist at one point. It became. Oh man, I, really. I didn't realize it. it, it yeah, I, I just was, was, was I was just glad. <laughs> Wow! So it became so it became quite an escalated story in the end. But um, yeah, it was it was, it was a simple thing. So mm. wow! Mm. And, and one of the things hilarious before we get into the questions that you shared a moment ago is that, and this is encouraging for me, the guy who wrote with with your wife saying that your wife has instructed you that you can no longer sing on microphones. What, just, what's going to, on here? For all my complimentarian friends, she had not instructed me. She, <laughs> suggested, she suggested lovingly in a way that wives suggest things lovingly. So which I, which basically I, mean there's only so one I, answer. So, so I, 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 I stepped back and as the leader pondered all the options and decided unequivocally that I would not sing. So, um, so uh, no, 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 really what it was was, uh, no, it was three years ago where she just said to me, you know, we need to talk. And I went, okay. And I, I knew it wasn't going to be good. And, and uh, she said, uh, we're turning your microphone off for the tour. And I said, why? She goes, she goes, because your singing doesn't help people. You can still tell your jokes and your stories about why you write hymns, but, but um, when the songs are on, we're going to turn your mic off. And I went, why? And she goes, I love singing. She goes, yeah, that's the problem. You love singing, but you get too excited. And then it's, it's kind of off-putting for those of us trying to sing, like, you know, in, 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 in time and harmony and, you know, with musicality. And it's, it doesn't help the leading. And I went, okay, so... Well, I, to me, it's That's, super encouraging that, is, that, yeah. that, well, you know, it, it's true because the Lord, you know, you know, the, the thing about singing is, first of all, we're all commanded to sing. That's right. It's the second most, second most common command in scripture is to sing or to praise. So to not do it is disobedience. That's mm. you start from that point, but you scratch below the surface and you realize that the scripture talks about us being created to praise and, and indeed generations are yet unborn who will once, who will sing to their creator. That That's, we are created to praise and thus it, it's not the that our voices have to be professional standard. It's it's that they have to be confessional standard to, mm-hmm. use, the, to, to use the simple Man, that's thing. that's good. That all of us, all of us have to do it. I have three daughters. There are six, there are three, there are two. I'm currently one ahead of you, Eric. And, yeah, but you have another one coming. Yeah, I, wa- I wanted to get, I always like to get two goals ahead in sports <laughs> games so that I can, just so that I can feel some distance, you know? Right. So, um, so you know, I, I, and we, we, do, we sing, we sing a hymn each month. And so we were singing Holy, Holy, Holy one night about a couple months ago. So, so you do a hymn a month with your girls? So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we also do like, like lots of, all, we listen all the time to stuff, but we always, as a rule, we do that. So we're doing Holy, Holy, Holy. And Eliza, mm-hmm. my overachiever, she's performing it and making 
making sure everyone's listening and bowing at the end and asking, did she sing it okay? And then our number two is like rolling her eyes, our number one. She's the she's the sort of the mis- mysterious kind of don't care one. And then she says, I said, will you sing it? And she goes, no. And I said, okay, don't sing it. So then she wants to sing it because I said, don't yeah. sing it. So then she sings it not as good, but she's a nice voice actually. And then the third one, crazy, she sings holy, holy, holy. And then she gets mixed up with twinkle, twinkle, little star. She, she sings twinkle, twinkle, little star. Now, the point is, as a father, and it's the same with you, Eric, with your girls, is like, is... Could you love any one of them more than the other? Well, mm. of course you can. Our, our Heavenly Father loves to hear. He delights in our praises, yeah. the Scripture says. He loves all of our voices, however they are. And so so for those people out there who are, you know, I'm an engineer. I don't like to sing. My wife's more emotional. She loves it. You know, leave me alone. You know, no, it's actually we're all, we're all commanded to sing. We're all created to sing with however the emotional capacities we have. Mm. And um, But not only that, I think above everything else, that the, the, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of of, of of Christ's love and death and resurrection, it compels us to yeah. sing. The Irish missionary Amy Carmichael, who's 150th anniversary this year, she she was the one who said, "How can I keep from singing?" Mm. You know, it's a it's an incredible thing. When I was dating Kristen, dating Kristen, you know, I, I remember her dad once saying, "Come on in for a coffee, Keith." And I was thinking he was being nice. I didn't realize. Now I realize he was checking he was checking me out <laughs> to see to see if I was respectable. But he was in and his his exercise in the morning. He'd make his coffee and he'd watch Brooklyn Tabernacle on DVD. Huh. Singing, I'm clean, I'm clean, I've been washed by the blood. It's just to see that guy, I forget his name, he had, but he was addicted to crack cocaine, seeing his, his life transformed hmm. by the blood of Christ and yeah. just a delight in the relief. And um, I always think of that picture when I think of, you know, the fact that all through the scripture it says, the Lord is my strength and my salvation, yeah. whom shall I fear? And how do we respond? We respond mm. with songs, mm. you know? So we all sing, but we don't all get the mic. Exactly right. <laughs> but I love. I love. Well, that was actually much more succinct. <laughs> but love, yours is better. <laughs> and now, it, but even the language you used a moment him, ago. Task him. His answers are better. <laughs> the, the language of the, of the gospel bringing both delight and relief. You know, yeah. really relief that our our sins have been removed, and and delight that we have a Father who loves us so. Oh, yeah, no, it's, absolutely. It's awesome. Absolutely, mm. man. I want to jump into to questions we typically ask all leaders and. Would love to would love to hear from you. Number one, who are you learning from? So, who does Keith Getty learn from? Who are you learning from now? As, as mentor, you know, I think the big thing that that every year I live comes to me more is the fact that the most important theologian in my life is my wife. You know, I, one of the sad things, and and you, and you guys have both experienced this, is when you go to conference and you meet people who are leaders. And you find that they're not that excited about their family or you meet their family and they're not excited about their work, mm-hmm. you know. And the fact is my wife, my wife, you know, I can fool just about anybody sometimes with my motivation and my wife knows I'm actually being an upstart. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, she also knows the, the time you spend in your knees, the weeping you do, the, yeah. how desperately you want to please the Lord, even though you keep messing up as opposed to everybody else who just see you at a distance and they make their own judgment. And so just the reminder every day, this, uh, this year we were, we were, we were, we were, um, we were really challenged this year that if we don't pray together every day, we at least text our prayers to each other and just that. And I think that, that above all else locks in, you know, locks in influence and it helps us. It gives us the freedom to be honest in our own spaces, to pray the things that we're most passionate about, the things we're most worried about. So, you know, I love my local church, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're privileged as you guys are to get to be around some pretty amazing people Mm -hmm. in these places and in this town. But, uh, 
I think if the Lord, you know, if the Lord can give me a, a deeper and a more fruitful and a more vibrant marriage every year, I'd, be, I'd settle for that. So. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. So, so what does it look like to text your prayers to your wife? What I do is we, we actually use Tim Keller's Songs of Jesus as our devotional, as a, as a sort of a, a starting to devotions. Okay. And then what I do is I just write my prayer on a, on a notepad and I finish the whole prayer and then I just I just text it to her. Okay. And even if I'm not, even if I'm having a rush day or somewhere I've been disorganized or one of the kids is sick and I just, I just, or whatever it is, if some combination of things just doesn't allow us to get the usual time you'd want, I still just do a short devotional prayer time and then just text it to her and okay. she reads what you're praying and then yeah. she, you know, so it's it's been a really Really good exercise, you yeah. know what I mean, in terms of beginning the day. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. And and before we get to our next question, uh, just on the topic of family, which which we are going to get to uh, with your children when you're singing "Holy, Holy, Holy" or, yeah. or these songs, is this like? To, is this like after dinner? Is this oh, we, family devotional we, time? What we, is that? We're singing last thing at night. Okay. So um, just okay. as a sort of a fun thing. Um, Kids are in bed or in the living room? Yeah, just in bed. They're going to take them up to the room. They all share a room, our girls. Oh, so all in the same room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they're all together. That's so. great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have one. I have one daughter that loves to sing hymns, yeah. and I have one that that doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That isn't really into singing at all. But the one who loves to sing hymns, I mean, we have this. I re, I'm currently, they're not in the same room. I'm read, I'm doing a Bible story with yeah. each daughter, but with Evie, the youngest, who likes to sing, we, we, we're going through the um, big picture uh, interactive storybook, yeah, yeah. gospel project storybook Bible, and, and, and then we sing a hymn, yeah. and she loves singing. And, and it makes, I feel much better hearing that, that your wife wanted the mic, microphone turned off because I am, <laughs> I am a horrific singer. But it is beautiful um, because the hymns I know as we're singing them, the, the depth. Yeah, yeah. So the, her favorite right now is I Stand Amazed in the Presence of, of Jesus well. and Nazarene. Yeah, yeah. How marvelous, how yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he took my sin and my sorrow and made them his very own. Yeah, yeah. The depth of those songs. I, mean, I, I sang that song um, for years, but then when you're teaching it to your daughter, he took my sin and my yeah. sorrow and made it his own. That that is the, the beauty of the of well, the great exchange, it's, right? It's just a great song, isn't it? Yeah, as well, it is. It tells it, but it's great to sing. It is. You know a great song. It's art. It's like any form of art. You know a great song like you know a great restaurant because you just can't wait to go there. It's not that somebody told you it was cool. It's just mm. you can't wait to eat the food. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or as a, a comedian, you can't wait to hear his comedy. You just you're going to laugh. So give us yeah. some other hymns that. So holy, holy, holy. I stand amazed in His presence. What what are some some go tos? we've taught our kids we so far we've done holy 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 i stand amazed in the presence we did do in christ alone before the throne of god above and how deep the father's love which are the thing of the three best modern ones and they wanted to mm. hold me fast by the way and we did um rock of ages okay um and then we did i'm trying to think of this year um we did we did one that was a little bit random we did our compassion hymn which i don't think worked very well but, but my wife wanted to do it i think I think it was to get me to become more compassionate. Maybe it was like a side. <laughs> I, no, no, I, I, I understand. My, yeah. my, my oh, wife totally. sounds like Kristen. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, what I encourage you about what you said, Eric, was, um, you know, the importance of dad singing. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? We saw, I taught my church, Elmwood Presbyterian, in my hometown growing up, all the way through to Barna Studies. It's right. When the dad does not yeah, sing, the sons do not sing, and yeah, the family really. as a whole are less interested in Christianity. Mm. Man, you know, that's tragic, strong. It's a tragic thing. You know, I mean, Zach White, you know the guy who plays guitar in our band with the beard? Yeah. You know, so so he, he he and his brothers and sisters, we all know them all because they're cutting our bus and we're in their time and, and we grip fun with them. But they're believers. 
And Zach says one of the key inspirations in his life was going to a little tiny reformed church in, in, in St. Charles, Illinois, where his dad loved to sing. And he talked about singing and huh. you couldn't wait to sing. And he was a big Texan guy, yeah. you know, beat, the ha- beat his hands side to side as he sang. And it took them years to realize that he only had two notes. You know, one of them humans can hear, the other one like dogs can hear. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it was horribly out of tune, but it was irrelevant because their dad loved to sing to yeah. the Lord. And it's contagious. It's like laughter yeah. when yeah. someone's fully singing, regardless of what they sound like. It's yeah. just, you but know, it's, it's just, it's it's inviting. Right. But it's a huge question for, and then you you look at it, you go up a level because obviously the second half of our book, for example, is about how it affects us as individuals, <laughs> family, churches, and 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 society, but but the, the daddy thing goes all the way up because not only does it restore us and then our kids, but when we did that, I think we did. A, I remember talking to Tom one time about we did a tour and the best two singing churches had nothing in common with each other theologically, sociologically, ethnically, hmm. or anything, um, but the two pastors were passionate about singing. Mm. And that's the thing we've huh. noticed. Even this year, we did a tiny, tiny church in a, in a near, near Lake Tahoe, which is singing was extraordinary. Wow. Because mm. the pastor loves singing. Yeah. So, so that, coach me. the daddy of the church loves to sing, the church sing. When the daddy of the church is out having yeah. coffee or on his phone or distracted or not really excited about it, yeah. not teaching the church why they should sing, not getting them a book or a document which says this is why we sing. Mm. When he's not invested, they're not invested. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so does the daddy no, sing? No, I can see that. Does the daddy sing? Yeah, I like that. So what would you say, I'm assuming your three daughters about to be four, that they're different from one another. Yeah. I have one who, I mean, I walk in and say, hey, let's sing a hymn. She's she's super excited. And one that would be more reserved in the singing. Um, oh, coach gosh. me. What do you, what, that's, a, that's a parental question. That's what I mean. We did last last night. We did. We did. We were doing. We did. John. We were doing John Erickson Tata's biography last night, and she always <laughs> does this thing about count your blessings every night. Count your blessings, and of course, look at her position, and she's like so happy and always thankful. <laughs> it's like we're feeling totally ashamed, you know. But so Eliza, my oldest, she's like, "What are you thankful for?" Well, she goes, "Well, I'm thankful for food and family and the Lord Jesus and all that He provides for us." I mean, her answer was like more theologically correct and like Southern Seminary, you know. And then my second daughter, she just said nothing. And what are you thankful for? Nothing. Okay. Third daughter, what are you thankful for? Oh, she said like, oh, poop and pee. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're all different. So I don't know yeah. the answer because they, mm. you know, I, I think, you know, for us it's just constantly trying to encourage them and yeah. delighting in it and, you know, C.S. Lewis, when C.S. Lewis was asked, what do you write about in children's books? C.S. Lewis says, I write about what interests me. And that's what you should write. If you want to write about, write about the mm-hmm. things. And some of your kids, what do you want your kids to get interested in? Have them get interested in the things that you're passionate about, things you're passionate about. And then their passions will, they will, they're more likely to get passionate about that. And then from there, they will find their own passion. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, other than just, other than just, other than just being and doing, my friend David Kim, uh, who's the concert master of the Philly Orchestra? We're constantly saying, "How do we help people appreciate better music, better music, and sort of deepen people's arti- souls and deepen people's artistic experience?" And he always says to me, "At the end of the day, you just have to do it, and people will ultimately follow." Yeah. So I don't know. That, that's, that's all I got for you for now. So Keith, let's get to the second question now. Uh, what's the main point of emphasis for your leadership team uh, or for yourself right now? Um, for, um, emphasis for leadership team. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what are you really focusing on? Gosh, well, I'm, uh, okay, well, 
gosh, there are several different things. I mean, obviously, when when someone ever says, "What do you? What, what can we pray for for you?" I guess that's some, that should be your most important things. And I always do try to say, you know, pray for me as an individual, my Christian walk, my family, my, my wife, my kids. And and then there's just the local church relationships because if you can hold those together, you know, Alistair Begg was always a great advocate of, you know, plain things, main things, mm. nothing, nothing, hold everything else lightly. And so he kind of trained me in that way. And I think if you're an, a very emotional person like I am, a very passionate person, constantly being drawn back to that is kind of, in some ways, it's the best you can hope for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it, it kind of it kind of reins you in in positive ways. I think. Uh, as a second thing, I would say, I would I would say as as a leader, I I check off five things in a day. So I, as a leader, I have five mm. things. Number one, I always say, am I leading in prayer? So okay. you know, so for example, like with the conference, it's very easy. I do I do a thirty five day prayer build up. So everybody gets a prayer letter every day from me. Here's what we're praying about today. That kind of thing. Mm. We've two prayers. So so I try to lead. That I think is the most important thing I can do. If I can pray, and I can even just like like next Monday. And next Tuesday, there's two different prayer things going. We're praying very specifically for the Christmas tour, and we're sending out new prayer letters and that. Um, Tuesday, we're praying for um, another new things about to come out. And so you, that, I feel, if, if I can do that, then people are at least centered. Um, secondly, I, the only thing I can really do that's relatively unique is, is write, write hymn tunes. So this morning, uh, you know, at nine to one, I try to block, Tuesday to Fridays, I block nine to one. I just work on hmm. hymn tunes, whether it's sitting on the phone with people talking about them, whether it's listening to new stuff, whether it's, and so living with, so that's what I do this morning. I was I actually ended up having a cool time this morning. I worked with my, worked with my dad at his piano in Ireland, my piano in America, hmm. working on old, old Scottish psalm tunes because obviously our conference next year is about psalms. So I thought, let's just play old psalm tunes and just see what, and he came up with this great idea, which I hadn't thought of, which, so credit to my dad in that one. That's and great. And then the third thing I do is I, I try to look at the creative vision of, 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 of all the things we're doing. So I'm I'm very involved in creative vision, like at the conference. I'm very involved, like every single song movement in the main stage, conference, concert, every little moment I planned. But I didn't even know Eric was there. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm terrible at, at anything administrative. And then the fourth thing, obviously, is 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 is, is gradual vision. So the, the big is long term vision. So mm. we're doing a thing at the minute called the twenty the, called the the twenty fifty vision, which is which is which is where, where where would we dream of seeing church music and a vibrant church in twenty fifty? Mm. So we just sit and sit in a minute. We've all all Friday afternoon part of today. That's really good. We're doing a thing called twenty fifty, and so it's constantly where what, what what are the songs we'd love to see? You know, when we started writing hymns in the year two thousand, there were only like two hymns written yeah. in the previous. 50 years of four verses that were even very really? theological that were in the top 500 in the and, US. And, and what has it been neither, since? Neither, neither, it's, it's, it's close, close to 30 now. Wow. Okay. So, but you think about that and it's global influence in the in light of the two billion Christians in the world and and uh, and and the fact that most Christians in the world are first or second generation Christians. Yeah. Most of them have very little biblical knowledge. And if if really how much of our faith is learned through what we sing, then a, a new canon of hymns for the global church that teach and build deep believers is, is utterly crucial mm. at this moment in time, the first generation of internet connectivity. So I live with that kind of stuff. And then the fifth thing is I just do important connections. So whether that's doing interviews, whether that's meeting with people um, and just to talk about the ideas. So I, I, I never implement anything, <coughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Because I don't have the... 
I don't have the skill set to do that, you know? And, yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know if I've ever thought about what music or <laughs> it's going to look like in 2050, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, yeah, but it's, you, but but you, but it's, it's so important. You know, the, well, yes, but it's, it's, it's to help us look at the way, way forward. I don't yeah. presume, the Lord doesn't have to give me breath to finish this interview, mm. you know, and if he doesn't, it's promotion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so we don't. Our, our hope is not in a long life. Do you yeah. know what I mean, our hope, our hope is our hope is in the Lord of Hosts. Mm. And so, so we, so you know. Mm. But at the same time, if we're not thinking forward and trying to say, how do we change the culture? How do we define the culture? I mean, you know, like. You know, when we started writing hymns in 2000, we brought them to, I think, four companies and everybody rejected us. So we were a flat out reject thing, but we just believed that actually <laughs> the church needs this. Wow. And so because we thought this was important, then you have to keep going. So so I think I think for me, that's that's how I do my leadership day. That's my five things. And I finish it and go, have I done those five things? Now, of course, you know, below that, you need you need good people around you, and we've been thankful to have that. Um, but there's some intentionality here, Keith. Oh, it's not uh, like you're just huge. winging it, you know. It's, I mean, <laughs> so you so you I want you you are given the sense that hey, I'm not I'm not skilled at executing and implementing, but you uh, but you're also. I mean, you're you're not approaching the day casually. You have a plan, you know. Tuesday and Thursdays, I'm I'm writing from this this time to this time, and then here's four of the things that I'm going after. So, that's. And that's well done. So ne- next question, when it comes to, and you, you really kind of answered this already, but what are two or three things that you think you must do or that you do daily that impacts your personal life? You know, group. Not a good thing. Um, well, I, m- I mentioned the thing earlier, but it was Kristen. And I think that's, I think that's, that's a large part of it. Um, I think, I think, I think trying to keep, Tr- trying to trying to keep trying to keep the phone away from the kids, I think, is pretty important. I struggle with that. Um, I think that's pretty important. Me- meaning for them not them not, not, not seeing you in the phone, phone or them or yeah. them not playing on the phone. No, me me not having the phone when I'm with them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I struggle yeah. with that, man. So that's da- Daniel uh, was just sharing that a couple podcasts ago. Yeah, it was it's a it, thief of time. It's, it, it really it's, is. It, but it's it's. Um, and sometimes it's because you're, you're expecting from me anyway uh, a reply on something that was super important that I yeah. that I sent before, and I just want to look and be sure that's done. And, and in my head, I think that if I know once I know, I'll be able to better engage yeah. the kids. Yeah. And then, but that's a slippery slope. Yeah, because my daughter one time said, "Oh, oh, parents, man, parents really like being on the phone." Yeah, you know, I was like, I don't want that to be the normal. I know, in our case, yeah. Yeah, I know it's, it's bad, and so yeah, so I'm we're working on that, and. Um, and those are little things. I mean, my wife is more creative than I am, I think. And so I, I prefer to be around her when I create. But if I'm around her, then I'm around the kids sometimes. So it's better to go to the office and work. So those are all kind of things. I don't know. I think I think encouragement is such an important thing. You know, um, one of the things we actually had to work on with our conference is to create an atmosphere where everybody is trying and creating. We wanted to create an atmosphere which said, you know, you know, uh, you know, I think it was, who was it? Was it Lewis that encouragement is the oxygen of the soul? Winston yeah. Churchill. Winston Churchill. Is it? Is it no, I'm joking. No. It's always Winston we, we, Churchill. We, if we don't know, we just always say, <laughs> it's <laughs> either Lewis or... Or G.K. Chesterton or Churchill. It's the oxygen of the soul. I forget who it was. But, um, you know, so, so trying to create, one of the things we're trying to do better, and I have failed this a lot, is is trying to encourage all my guys. So, you know, you know, as I said, the fifth thing I did every day is try to communicate with the key guys. And, Trying to just invest in them, and I know there's one or two I'm, I'm not doing as well as I could, as well as I could with, but but also just creating encouraging atmospheres. I think uh, because when we came to our conference, a lot of the speakers were were from a 
were a lot of the people come, came from a slightly more serious side of the church, and and one of the things I had to try and encourage them to do was their, their natural bent. And I have several friends like this. I said, "Look, guys, you're here to try and learn. If you don't think you've anything to learn." You shouldn't be here. Mm. So if you're coming here to learn, let's go after that and let's try things. I, when I was a kid, wanted to meet a, co- a composer called Jack Redford. He's a he was a, a Mormon a missionary who got converted to Christianity while he was a Mormon missionary, <laughs> and he's a Hollywood film composer. And um, but he one of the most brilliant minds I'd met. And I said, how do you, how do I become a a, a successful creative? Um, and 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 he said, well, the first thing you have to do, you've got to create up create places where there's freedom to fail. And I went, what a random thing to say. I was wanting like the one, two, three to successful oh, songwriting. And he says, you got to start off with creating an atmosphere. And so even for the conference, we were thinking like, how do we, with, with concerts and with, and it's more important for me to, I thought, okay, so I suddenly switched my introductions to the speakers, to being funny stories about the speakers, do you know what I mean? And how we, how we had tried stuff and messed up and funny people messing up because he wanted to create more of an atmosphere of here's, Here's a subject that that all of us have tried and all of us have pretty embarrassing results on. So if I tell my embarrassing story, you're more likely to tell your yes, story or to stop mm-hmm. feeling bad about it, you know, because, um, you know, I mean, even singing with your family, you know, we were doing a show in the in just outside New York and uh, there was a school in Princeton wrote to us and said, we teach your hymns as a way to teach curriculum. Would you come as mm. a to our college? And we had a very good friend who actually then said, I think I know these people, you should come. So Kristen and I come that morning and visit the school before the concert and and Eliza was there and she was sitting and, and all the kids get up to the front to perform one of the songs and the teacher gets up and reads this whole thing about us and who we were and our whole thing and it was kind of a little bit over the top and and uh, and then Eliza jumps off her mom's knee who's pregnant and she can't stop her because she sees all the kids so she wants to be with all the other little kids. So they all start to sing. I think it was, I'm not sure it was across, it might have been across the lines, one of our hymns, how to sing one of our hymns and who's the only kid who doesn't know the words? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> only kid of the I mean, I was going like, I was like, I'm like, I'm on the microphone going like, I need a PR guy. I'm going to be this. <laughs> and oh. I was like, so, you know, those kind of things help you remind you, you know, that we, we start today, you know, and, uh, I know trying to create. We need. I think we're trying to do that better. We're not. We're not good enough at that, especially in our office. Yeah. You know, the things that we like to do, music. I think we're good at creating good spaces. I think and things we're not good at, we're not so good at. So no, I really love that because in leadership, I mean, if 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 the leader, uh, you know, unintentionally, whether leaders intend it for or not, everyone's watching. Mm-hmm. Right. And if the, if the, you know, especially as pastors and church leaders, if you are kind of that lead disciple lead disciple maker and you don't mess up and you don't do things imperfectly, then what kind of model are you setting up for everyone else? It's, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's something that they can't attain to. Yeah. Right. And that's not real because we, we, yeah, we pray. Yeah. We read the word, but it's imperfectly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. it, it really, and it's funny because we're so conditioned to this perfection. You know, we did a, we did the CBS Sunday morning, did a documentary on us, um, three Easter Sundays, two Easter Sundays ago. And they so they followed, they came to Nashville, they followed us around, they followed us to the Grand Ole Opry where we were guesting that mm-hmm. night and followed us to a rehearsal. And it was a fun, fun thing. They were great people. It couldn't have been nicer. And um, But the actual document, they did a, it was a 14-minute documentary that was as part of the CBS Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. And when I actually watched it, it was like, oh, this wasn't any of the stuff I said. Mm-hmm. This wasn't any, And I was like really disappointed. And a, a Christian leader who's very, very intelligent called me up and said, you see, Keith, you were not professional. You were telling jokes and you should have waited till the light goes red. You're an extrovert, so you tell jokes when people like you. And you should wait till the light goes red. 
That means you're off camera. Then you should tell jokes and make them like you. And be careful to just tell, say the serious stuff on stage. And I think they were right. I mean, I wasn't that professional mm. about it, but the amount of stuff we got back, people going, that was so fun to see you. And they actually, right. people actually went. They like seeing the, the authenticity. Actually, this is somebody yep. I want to get to know a little bit right. more. Mm. So I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just making excuses for your stupidity, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but I, I think your, point, your point's well made, you know. Yeah. This is good. That's was good. it was it was the pastor who called you? Was it your pastor in Cleveland? No, it wasn't. I'm not telling you who it was. Okay, <laughs> but your pastor in Cleveland, I, I had a enjoyed a trip with him. Uh, we're doing the Spurgeon Study Bible. Did you go to that London trip? I did. I was. I had several meals with with uh, Alistair Begg, and and this is a funny story about my wife. So I I, I think Alistair Begg. I mean, he's one of my favorite preachers to listen to him. He's, he's, he's amazing. So he was your pastor in Cleveland for, mm-hmm. for years, right? We were in the phone like two hours ago. So he's, right. I love him. He's, he's awesome. My wife is, which I love this about her. She's, she's not ever been caught up in, in like, who's, who's the famous pastor or who wrote this song. She, she's like normal down to earth. Yeah. Doesn't, she's not impressed with. So I was, she went with me to London and I was like, baby, we're, um, it's, it's gonna be really cool. We're gonna be able to spend some time with. I, I really respect this guy with Alistair Begg, and we on the on the bus the very first time that we're going around. And I said, I, Kay gets on first, and I'm following her to our seat, and we're probably three uh, <laughs> three rows behind uh, Dr. Begg, Alistair Begg, and Kay looks at me and says, "Where is uh, where is he? Where's Al?" Where's Alex Trevec? <laughs> <laughs> so she was excited to see Alex Trevec. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I said, huh? She said, you said Alex Trevec. I said, baby, Alistair Begg. <laughs> and so, ev- so, so evidently, I slurred my words a little bit too much, too. I think so. Alistair- so was it a disappointing trip for her, then? No, no, she, she got over it. She got over it. But she, I guess she was, it wasn't Alistair. Alex Trevec, the Jeopardy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I, I didn't tell your pastor that. No, no, he said that before, though. He said that one before. Has he? Has oh, okay. he? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. That's good. That's good. Well, let's get to our last question here. Uh, Keith, what would you tell your twenty-year-old self about preparing to lead? Oh gosh, well, there's too many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my twenty-year-old self. I'm just so embarrassed, you know. <laughs> um. What was your twenty-year-old self like? It was, it was, um, it was probably a lot more, a lot more driven and irrational and um, hmm. impulsive than hmm. than the forty-two-year-old self. Um, I think I come back. I think you know the Lord constantly brings us back to character, doesn't He? And mm-hmm. brings us back. Um, yeah, to that you know, there's um, I. I, it might have been CT Stud. I'm forgetting all my quotes this morning. You know, only, the old phrase, only one life will soon be passed. Only was done for Christ. Yes, Stud, yeah. And he, you know, he, he gave away his fortune, his heavenly fortune, to be a missionary. And uh, and I think that's what I'm telling myself right now. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, when you when you do music, it's it, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. We love the performing and we're all involved and... and and business in one way or another, and that's fun as well. And uh, um, but in, in all these things, to keep a to keep a focus in in the things that are important, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, in the Weight of Glory talks about talks about the the eternal things and the eternal things. He says, you know, eternal things are not the symphonies, and they're not the great pieces of architecture. 
um, but actually the eternal things are the person beside us in the bus. And so mm-hmm. trying to bring us back to, oh, that's to those good. things are, are, are really important. So is that, you know, where you said you've never talked to a mere mortal. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So, and it's, um, so that's, a, that's really good. so, so I, I think those things are, you know, as an extrovert, I always seek my fulfillment and my, in, in other people. I, I love doing interviews. I love hanging out with the guys, you know, I love, you know, hanging out with the kids you know, I love getting feedback and stuff and learning through. I love, I love learning interactively rather than just reading. But you, you search for so much of your security in that as well, mm. you know. And so uh, I, I wish I could take more care of it, better care of the internal things. Yeah. You know, I'll put it like this. If I'm looking for a man for my daughters, that's a good truth test, you know. Mm. And I want a guy. I want a guy who cares for the, inter- for the, for the internal things. I want a guy who deeply cares about character. Who, yeah. You know, Amen. Who loves the Lord? Absolutely, and, and takes care of them, regardless of yeah. of aspirations or career. Or Straight, Straight up, agree. So. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, Keith, thanks for the time, and I want to encourage everyone who's listening. So, this book we mentioned it earlier, "Sing: How Worship Transforms Your Life, Family, and Church." It's a great individual read, but if you're a ministry leader, maybe you lead a student ministry, maybe you you oversee uh, small group leaders, maybe you're a senior pastor. You can get this, and it, it's a it's a great bulk read. Meaning, you can they're short enough, small enough uh, in someone's hand that you can buy by the case and give them out to leaders in your church, people in your church. And the reason you'd want to do that is because singing matters, as as Keith said and shared that it's the second most commanded that we find in scripture, right? To sing, yeah. to sing. And we, when we sing, the truth of God gets, gets deeper and deeper into our soul. When we sing, it's a reflection that you, you're uh, quoting earlier, Colossians three seventeen, right? Yeah. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then you sing to one another in Psalms and spiritual songs and hymns. And so the singing of our, of our churches matter, the singing of our ministry matters. So great resource, great book from Keith and Chris and Getty. And Daniel will have that in the, in the show, yep, in the show notes. Well, thanks so much for listening today. You've been listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Wait, don't don't go yet. Don't hold up. Okay, so we are doing Pipeline West in the OC. That's right, Southern California. February 22nd and 23rd. So February 22nd is the actual conference day. That's Kerry Newoff, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, myself, Daniel M., Albert Tate. These people will all be bringing it for sure. You want to be there, not only because it's going to be great content, but it's February, okay? And this is California. So it's a the sunny in 76 is good to be at any time of year, but especially in February. Hope to see you there.